This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. So today, this evening, is the first Friday of the month. Uh, tonight, uh, our sharer is Alyssa. I'm Alyssa on Addictive Eater. It's nice to be here tonight. Um, I've been trying not to think about what I want to share, but one line keeps coming to mind, and I can't actually remember what it is, Louise might be able to help me. It jumps out to me every time I hear the podcast that surrender is this the heart, what is the line? Surrender is at the heart of the AEA program. That's it, yeah. Surrender is at the heart of the AEA program. Um, so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to share about that. But that's what keep popping into my head today. So, um, <clears throat> I guess I was a little girl who never felt like she fitted. That was her perception of life. Didn't really feel like I fitted in my family because I had three brothers. Didn't really feel like I was loved enough by one of my parents. Um, didn't really feel like I fitted in my skin. Um, couldn't wait to go to school. Loved being at school because then I was away from my family. From a very early age I loved being at school. Couldn't wait for the holidays to be over. Um, and never really felt like, we spent a lot of time in our church community, never really felt like I had people I really connected with there. Um, as it relates to the food, I think it's... Um, uh, I'm not so sure when I was little, but as I got older, I certainly loved playing with the food. So afternoon tea was a real highlight. I'd come home and I'd do funny things. Like I loved chocolate chips. And I might have asked my mum maybe once if I was allowed to have some. And she must have said yes. Because um, I had them that day. And every other day after that that I could get away with. And I'd put them in a glass of milk because then you couldn't see them and they'd go crunchy because they were cold. But actually you could see them because you could see these little, like I was trying to hide them, but you could actually see them in the bottom of the cup. And, um, you know, like I just noticed the levels of the chocolate chips would get higher and higher over time. But lots of little things like that I would do for my afternoon tea, just playing with food. <clears throat> when we got a microwave, I loved it because then I could start um, baking potatoes in it after school. Like it, food was not an ordinary thing for me. It was something I was fascinated. I love that word, you know, fascinated with it and always trying to do something more exotic and exciting. So if the family wanted a restaurant evening, like I'd be doing it. I'd be making the menus and planning it all out and making like the most delectable tasting and looking food that I could possibly get my hands on. The only problem was I never wanted to follow a recipe, so it never actually tasted very good. <laughs> <laughs> my 
my brothers when I was a teenager used to say, oh, Alyssa thinks she's cooking for the Russian army. Because mm-hmm. I'd never cook rice for six people when I cook rice for 26. Um, so no idea of quantities. And even now, it's like quantities in terms of like if we have another family over for a meal, I'm just not very good with quantity. I've always cooked way too much. Much more than we need. Um, but that's okay. Um, I thought that was all very normal. I also thought it was normal as a 14-year-old to get up at the crack of dawn and go out and dad's rebounder, which he got in the 80s, and I dug out from somewhere and would go down on the deck and start doing my little rebound exercises. Um, I kind of had this obsession as well with lots of different exercise and walked, loved to walk, would walk everywhere that I possibly could. Um, and what I didn't realise then, but looking back now, it was all trying to fix the kind of the ick that I felt on the inside, the irritability, that feeling of discontent and feeling like I didn't fit. But when I did this weird stuff with the food and when I exercised, it gave me a temporary sense of peace um, on the inside. And... I think my eating probably took off a little bit more as a teenager when I started doing different diets. I had a friend at school who was doing the liver cleansing diet and when I heard about that I was all in. Bought the book and read the book and all about all the different body shapes and how to eat for your different body shape and figuring out what body shape I was and um, then became quite overly interested, maybe obsessed about, um, you know, how I should be eating for my body shape. And I don't know how long the liver cleansing diet lasted, but there was always something. I was always gluten-free or dairy-free or um, my brother had a lot of eating issues and whatever he was doing, I had to be doing too, seeing the same healthcare practitioners. So I'm just obsessed about myself and my weight and what I was eating. Um... Yep, and relationships. I think my disease manifested very strongly in my relationships. My poor mother um, had a hard time. She (laughs) found me very difficult Um, because, uh, yeah, I would say things like, God's got it in control, everything's fine, and she would be very irritated because I wasn't really interested in any kind of discussion or listening to any kind of advice. I had it all figured out and didn't really care what they thought and I was just going to do my own thing anyway. Um, So that probably wasn't very pleasant for them. Um, And I think my brothers probably put up with me would be the best word um, because I would have lots of arguments with them but they'd get frustrated because I was never logical. My arguing, like I was right, even if it was completely illogical and I was going to win, whether it made sense or not. Um, So that wasn't particularly easy for them either. Although I do have to say, as we became older teenagers, I became very close, very close to my brothers. Um, So it wasn't always horrible. Um, Yep, Um, I was happy to blame the way I felt on the inside. Um, on things that had happened in my life, 
on the way that other members of my family were. Um, and when I got married to my husband, he was certainly the source of my unhappiness and discontent. Um, I'd walk around because we, you know, came from two totally different continents and kind of fell together in a very unusual way um, and had quite a quick relationship, probably because we were both absolutely nuts and the only people who would put up with each other. All my other boyfriends broke up with me because I was far too intense. Um, <clears throat> but somehow my husband stuck around because he was probably just as intense and crazy as I was. Um, anyway, after we were married, I remember like walking around the grocery store saying to myself, God put us together. We're together for a reason. Just hang in there. God put us together. Um, but I wasn't really that happy, you know, because the way, again, the way I felt on the inside was all his fault. And I couldn't see that the way I felt on the inside was because of me and my thinking and my choices. Um, so when I had kids, I felt exactly the same way about them too. Um, they were irritating and I couldn't cope with them and if they were naughty then I just couldn't handle it and if I felt a certain way I behaved a certain way and I had all this anger which would just build up inside of me and I didn't know what to do with it and I'd fly off the handle and scream and yell and behave like a two-year-old um, all these poor children are um, trying to grow up anyway that's the problem. The long and the short of it is that um, I found myself in a 12-step program that was not for food addiction because I was a blamer. I found myself in a 12-step program as a family member because someone else in my life was an addict and had ruined my life. Um, and in that program I had a chance to work the 12 steps in the way that they did it. Um, and it was actually quite fascinating because I'd sit down with it. I had a, a call once a week with my sponsor. And when I was talking to her, like I actually felt like my thinking was shifting. It was almost like my brain was being restructured because my thinking was just so sick that um, the things she was saying, I was kind of like, oh, I didn't know it was possible to think that way. I didn't know it was possible to feel angry at your husband and not tell him. Like that you could actually just behave differently from how you felt. Um, so I received, um, in that program, there's a strong emphasis on this dependence on God, which is important in any 12-step program. But what I found was there was this kind of concept of a God that was shaping for me, but my behavior wasn't changing. And this is my history, because I grew up in a Christian family with a strong concept of God, and all these moral ideals that are laid out in the Bible and in a Christian faith, but I could never behave the way that sounded good or that I read or was told would be good. Um, and it says that in the big book, we had these moral and philosophical convictions galore. And I had that, a mind full of all these ways I wanted to be. And I just couldn't, it just didn't make sense to me. I couldn't behave well weave a well was supposed to be um, and God was this um, authoritative controlling heavy dark God um, who 
I deny them if I feel close to. Um, and what I can see now is that what was happening is I was seeing everything. I was seeing my life, my parents, my brothers, my friendships, my church, the way people talked about God. I was seeing all, all of that through the filter of my disease, my relationship with my husband, my children, all of that I was viewing through the filter of my disease. Um, and, you know, I was in this family fellowship, working the 12 steps. But again, like, things weren't changing. And my sponsor in that program actually said to me, because I talked a lot about control and wanting to control the food, and she said to me, oh, you may find that you are an addictive eater and that you can get help through a 12-step program with food. So I thought I'd try it out, and I went to... Um, a meeting and thought, hmm, they're talking about eating whole blocks of chocolate. Well, I don't ever do that in one sitting. Um, I didn't consider the fact that I was buying special chocolate that was like made with the right kind of sugar in the right kind of way and it was like $7 a block because it's like this exotic health chocolate. Children weren't allowed to touch it and I was only allowed a certain you know, amount at a certain time, but I could go back as many times as I liked during the day to have my two little blocks or whatever it was, as long as I didn't have any more than two at a time. But anyway, I heard this woman sharing this meeting that she bought this big block of chocolate and she hid it in the cupboard from her kids and she ate the whole thing. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely not that bad. But I went back two weeks later to another meeting and I heard at some point that if you go to six meetings, then you should wait until you've had your sixth meeting before you identify. And so every two weeks, I went to another meeting, and after five meetings, I went, nah. It's just, I don't know, it's, nothing was kind of grabbing me. So I went on my merry way for a year. Not so merry way, actually. Things got worse during that year. Um, and then I happened to be at an event where two members of this fellowship were sharing their food story. There were two things I heard. I heard Tony say the words food plan, and I heard Di talk about the milk milo being the highlight of her day. And my husband was at that event too, and I remember hopping in the car saying to him, I've got to go back. Um, that was on a Monday night, and so on the Wednesday night, I went to the meeting and the first face I saw was Di, who I'd heard shared two days before. Um, and of course she was very friendly. And I don't know, at the end of that meeting, I don't know what happened, why I felt so compelled to go, but I just, something happened. Some kind of start of a surrender. Um, and at the end of the meeting, Di said to me, oh, um, we have a meeting on Friday. If you'd like to come, you might find it, whatever she said, you might find it helpful. I was like, what? I've just been out this week already, twice, Monday night and Wednesday night. But I turned up on Friday, and then on Friday she said, oh, we have a meeting on Monday too. And I'm thinking, but then I have to get a babysitter because Ben's out on a Monday. But I turned up on Monday, um, and I, something had happened, and I hadn't done it. Something had happened to me that hadn't happened the year before when I started coming. Um, 
and I went on a food plan and was eating on a food plan for about six months. Um, I kind of did a couple of funny things with the food in that time, but mainly stuck to that food plan. Um, but six months into being on a food plan, we had an, a workshop um, where people from all, you know, a lot of different people from all over the world came to that particular workshop, more so than others that I remember. And all these people from around the country, and I heard all this sharing, and I talked to a woman there about this Im image obsession that I had, and this obsession with what I was wearing, and an obsession with men, trying to, being attractive to men. And she shared with me her experience, and the actions that she took in terms of dressing and... Um, you know, there are a couple of, I'll share them because maybe it's helpful to someone else. Um, she was just saying that when she put an outfit on in the morning, that, that is what she wore for the day. She didn't second guess or change it or anything like that. Um, there, there were certain articles of clothing that she stopped wearing for a period of time because when she put them on, they kind of inflamed that desire to be attractive to others. Um, and so... I, when she said that, I was like, I need to stop wearing skinny jeans because something happens to me when I put them on where I feel like, well, you know, I'm going out there to seduce the world or whatever it is, um, whatever that feeling was. Um, and, and I said to Ben, what do you like me to wear? I said to my husband, what kind of clothes do you like me to wear? And he said, I really love it when you dress like you're feminine and you wear skirts. And I went, okay. Well, that's what I'm going to start doing. Um, and something happened that weekend. I became willing to put down a couple of food items that up to that point I hadn't been willing to put down. And I changed the way I dressed. I feel like, oh, and the exercise. The exercise had already gone down. And a surrender happened to me that weekend when I talked to this lady about my image. Um, so... I like to remember that part of my story because it, it was like I feel like those three things were all bound together. It, it wasn't just the food that had to go down, it was those other two that were kind of all part of the same package. Um, and after that weekend, something started to happen. Um, and I believe it was a surrender and I became willing to listen to the direction that I was given 100% not just 80% um, and then filter the rest through my opinion. There's a big difference between listening to most and listening to all of what I was being told and I needed to be prepared to listen to everything that I was being told. Um, and I guess I'll just fast forward to how things are today. Um, I worked, I guess I worked through those 12 steps again, even though I'd done them previously in the other program, I did have to do them again. Um, and, you know, when I did my fifth step with my sponsor in AEA, I felt for the first time in my life, like, um, maybe my higher power, um, that if a human being could sit there and hear the worst of my life, which was probably incredibly boring to her, and I have no idea why she didn't fall asleep, but it felt terrible to me. 
And I'm thinking, if this person can sit here and listen to my whole fifth step and not run away or reject me, then actually maybe my higher power really does care about me. So it's kind of my first experience of really feeling like my higher power genuinely cared about what I was doing with the food and about um, me as a person. <clears throat> um, and... Um, I had the same experience when I was doing amends. When I made amends to um, people, I feel like I've had a lot of very gracious responses where I've come to people and apologised for behaving in certain ways. And um, one lady in particular I stay with in Australia and didn't behave very well when I stayed at her place. And when I phoned her to make amends, she just said to me, oh, next time you're in Australia, why don't you bring your family and come and visit? which I thought was um, pretty amazing. So again, I kind of had that experience of feeling like, you know, God through other people. So I'm not seeing God today through the lens of my disease. Um, I still practice my faith, but the God of my faith is not this rigid, authoritative, controlling God in this tiny little box. He's... Um, a loving father who is my creator who I um, rely on and I love and I want to do my best because I don't know if I want to do my best. I want to just wake up each day and get on my knees and um, say, God, I'm turning up and I need your help today and I want to walk with you. And I love the saying in the book, Thy will not mine be done. Um, yeah. Today I have a husband who, um, what did he say to me last night? There's not one part of you I don't like. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's nice. I'm sure you didn't always feel that way. <laughs> and I had three of my children wave me goodbye from the gate tonight as I drove out. I'd already said goodbye to them, but for some reason... They chased me out the driveway to wave goodbye. And my son thought he was kingpin because he loves to give me lots and lots of kisses. He has routines. And so he'll do this like left cheek, right cheek, forehead, nose, chin. Oh, no, 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 I'm not quite done. So I'll start, start all over again, which drives his sisters nuts when he says goodbye and goes to school. Um, so I said to him tonight, you get three kisses, so pick wisely. So he gave me three, and as I walked away, he blew me another kiss. <laughs> and then as I drove out the driveway, he blew me another one. So he, he thought he has got the upper end. But anyway, um, <clears throat> what he doesn't know is that actually God's got the upper end, because what God's doing in his mum, what she can't do for herself. Um, and... I felt this is why surrender's on my mind. So my dear mum is not that well at the moment and um, I do my best to love her. Um, and I, because she hasn't been well, I'm very aware that God is challenging me to kind of open up and be even more, um, maybe tender towards her. And I don't know how to do that. Um, 
So it's been quite, a, you know, it's brought up a lot of emotion for me because I feel this love and this closeness for her, but I don't actually know how to show it. But it's another, it's just another surrender because I can't do it and I'm grateful that I know I can't do it because God, you know, God will do it in his time. And I'll just, again, show up each day, support her as best as I can. Um, and one day I look back, like I have the thoughts of other things and going, oh, wow, that's changed. I don't know when, but I know it's changed. So this program is working for me. Sorry, my story's not any more interesting than last time I shared it. <laughs> the same old story um, but actually it's really good for me to hear me share my story because it's a good reminder for me of um, the miracle actually that's happened in my life that I have not been able to perform on my own God has done it in my life and when I share it I'm reminded of the changes that have happened um, and it's good it's good for me to be reminded so I thank God um, and I thank you all because, you know, um, I can't do it on my own. And you've all been a big part of that journey. So thank you. Thank you.